What's up, everybody? This is another episode of the Black Powder Podcast. The primer's hit, the powder's lit. Coming at you once more, this is Yasuke Fett. And just giving you an update on everything that's going on. Uh, I do plan on having a couple of interviews. I've got uh, interviews coming up with I Run and Gun, Scorched Earth, Firearms Training, O-Gun Gear, and Straight Shots LLC. With any luck, I should have a couple of more coming up as well, but I'm still searching them and I'm still seeking. So anything to help bring informative content to you. And even if it involves stories like today, we all are familiar with the beer bug and what it has caused a lot of people to do other than buy toilet paper. But nonetheless, it was, uh, let's just say it was a season of the weird. So while it was the season of the weird, I decided to take advantage and go against the grain, if you will. If you normally do what the common minded person does, you will only find yourself with common problems just like everyone else. I decided to go against that and purchase, let's say, Theraflu, uh, Mucinex, uh, what's this stuff called? Uh, it's like a Pedialyte, Pedialyte, no, no. Well, whatever the Pedialyte is for adults, is what I decided to purchase. But that was back in uh, around March, April, 2020. Uh, when the stuff was just getting out there, people were making fun of it, calling it the beer virus and everything. But nonetheless, while the histor- hysteria wasn't there, that's what I was doing. Along with preparing, I also, around that time, got a little bit more deeper into firearms. Um, my first shotgun that I purchased, which was actually my very first firearm, was back in uh, 27, no, around 2018-ish. And that was a Mossberg 88. Now, I didn't really get a chance to utilize this uh, shotgun or test it out too much. Only fired it one time. And uh, after that, my second gun was, ironically enough, uh, I think I bought it in the beginning of 2019 or mid-2019. It was another shotgun. It was a KSG. That was the full extent of my firearm uh arsenal if you will uh before covid and then when covid hit uh, numbers increased things started getting a little bit more questionable and i took it upon myself to make sure that i could protect myself and my loved ones at any time especially seeing as how i was going through some personal stuff and there was a change and it wasn't like anything law breaking or anything before you even begin to think that but let's just say it was close enough to home to where I started fearing for my life a little bit and that's why I purchased that Mossberg in the beginning but it was the same mentality in 2020 that made me realize okay things are changing everybody is pretty much armed at this point I need to make sure that and I know I just said think along the lines of common people but still nonetheless you can't talk off someone Pretty much everyone who's armed with sweet words and hugs and kisses and hopes and dreams. Nonetheless, though, I made mistakes along the way. Mistakes that I hope some of you will not make because just because you purchase a firearm doesn't mean that you have to deck it out instantly. Uh, and just to back up what I was saying about 2020 and everything that was going on, uh, 
This is per the ATF Firearms Manufacturing and Export Report uh, based on the production. And by the production, this is their definitions. Uh, firearms, separate frames or receivers, actions or barreled actions and uh, manufactured and disposed of in commerce during calendar year. This was 2020. So a total of 5,331,355 pistols were manufactured. Out of those 382,342 were exported. Revolvers we had 1,226,000 manufactured. We had 19,264 of those exported. As for rifles, we had 2,507,293 manufactured. Out of that number, there was 101,296 that were exported. For shotguns, it was 502,681 that were manufactured, 18,600 were exported. And for miscellaneous firearms, there were 1,324,141 that were manufactured. And out of that number, 9,788 were exported. For CNN and USA Today, the number of guns purchased in 2020 was somewhere between 23 to 40 million. Out of the 23 to 40 million, we had first time gun owners uh, in the 5 million range, uh, according to Forbes. There was a 58.2% increase amongst black men and women. 9.3% of that was black men who owned guns. 5.4% of that were black women who owned guns compared to the 55.8% of white men that own guns and 16.6% of white women that own guns. There was also 39.69 million background checks in 2020. It's the highest sale of guns was in January 2020, and that was uh, the state of Illinois with 1,002,118, and that made up 24% of the national sales that month. So you can see, the numbers increased no matter if those are numbers of first-time gun owners or people that felt like they needed to increase their arsenal nonetheless it's there and that means that pretty much at this point everybody has a firearm don't make stupid mistakes most of us I don't know especially if you're a gamer some of you have kind of like that Call of Duty mindset you're like well, I'm gonna get this scope and I'm gonna get this laser and I'm gonna get all this stuff added to my gun and it's gonna be super tactical. Like, okay, yeah. Call of Duty is a game. And one thing I can tell you from personal experience, the deeper you get into firearms, the more you realize, okay, the movies don't know what they're talking about and the video games don't know what they're talking about. Whether it's basic attachments or basic pl placement of certain things, you just, it makes you cringe a little bit. But, Nonetheless, back to the story. My mistake was when I first purchased a my handgun, um, I did a little bit of research. Actually, no, I don't think I did too much research. At that point, I was trying to find something where I was perfectly fine with the way it looked aesthetically, and I was perfectly fine with uh, how it would function. Normally, they tell you whenever you're a uh, first time handgun owner the best way to start out on that journey is to purchase a revolver uh, I did not do that I purchased a semi-automatic 
and it was a nine millimeter, which is one of the most common calibers out there. As if that wasn't enough, uh, I honestly couldn't tell you why I did this, but in my mind, I was like, well, let me get a light for it. And then because I had the light, I decided to purchase the holster. Now, as a matter of fact, I think the holster was the main reason I purchased the light in, in initially because it was the, I believe I talked about this in the previous episode, the Black Hawk Omnivore, which the way the Omnivore holster works with a light bearing firearm is it literally attaches to the light itself. So it's almost like the, the, ha uh, the handgun is floating inside the holster and you can push a release button to release the pins from around the weapon light itself so you can then utilize the firearm. I had so many issues with that holster and oh I forgot to mention I think the light that I purchased no I would probably say 99% I know the light I purchased was number one a cheap knockoff and number two probably something that was only good for an airsoft handgun. Nonetheless, um, that was one of the reasons why the holster kept giving me issues because a normal surefire flashlight does not pop off the rails of the handgun. Uh, the pick rail on the bottom was where you position the, the flashlight and it's supposed to just slide on and then you keep it moving. I, I wanna say that I don't think a, <laughs> a a light that slides onto a handgun rail is meant to stay on it. You're probably gonna end up losing it, which is exactly what happened. Anytime I tried to sit in my, my vehicle, uh, there wasn't enough room between the holster and the seat belt to the, and it got to the point where it would push the handle of my, my handgun into my side. And then eventually it would snap off the flashlight. So, the holster had the flashlight still in there, but the handgun was was loose. Um, yeah, it just it wasn't a good combination. Had the hand light, uh, had the handgun light been real, it may have worked out a little bit better. But then that brings me to the next issue. That holster is a OWB. It's the outside of the waistband holster. <laughs> Considering the times that we're living in, I believe concealed carry is a lot smarter than open carry not knocking people who open carry if that works for you cool keep doing it but me common civilian no military training no background in firearms still on this journey i'm not trying to advertise that i'm carrying and i'll never forget the videos i always see on social media where somebody's carrying whether it's like out in the open or whatever uh, it's it, it, the thing that kill, uh, the thing that gets me is the fact that I'll see these videos and sometimes they'll have concealed carry holsters, but they just have the the butt of the gun just sticking out. Like, yeah, go ahead, I'm on, I'm, I'm loaded, I'm ready. But when somebody comes along and they snatch that weapon from the holster and then they're using it against the person who owns the weapon, I mean, uh, what can you say at that point? It is what it is. You brought that upon yourself. I didn't want that to happen to me. But again, that's just how I feel. If you're gonna carry, do it smartly. If you're going to use a concealed carry holster, make sure you're concealing your firearm. It just kind of defeats the whole purpose if you're not concealing it. Anyway, I 
don't think I like outside the waistband holsters too much, um, unless it's around winter time where I can layer over it or have a, a jacket conceal it or you know just just basically camouflage it. That would probably be one of the few times that I would carry it. But the other thing is, I uh, talked about this in previous episodes episode as well. I don't think the Omnivore is one of the best holsters out there. I like the Black Blackhawk brand. Don't get me wrong, but I keep hearing rumors, if not true stories or factual stories about how the holster is unreliable and how on the more rare side, it could potentially set the firearm off. Um, and that's with the, the non-light bearing holster, which I also have as well, which is another black light, or excuse me, Blackhawk Omnivore. Uh, no, no, this was a, a Serpa. I ended up getting a Blackhawk Serpa. And, um, I think I can understand why that would happen because on the side of the holster there is a tab that you can push that's supposed to release the firearm and allow you access to it but I could see that tab getting weak over the time uh, every time you use it and god forbid if someone were to put their firearm into the holster and the tab was sticking a little bit on the inside it would probably trigger the weapon and not end well because if a firearm goes off on your hip that's gonna hit some uh, some pretty vital points you don't want to see that happen I should have researched those holsters just like I should have known better than buying those cheap lights the actual light itself probably would have been let's say at the most maybe 150 if not 200 let's say between 150 200 I should have just waited saved up the money and purchased the actual light so if I ever had to use it which to be honest with you if I'm doing concealed carry I don't understand why I would need to carry a light around in the first place. It's not NYPD blue or, you know, the first 48 or whatever. I'm not running around chasing perps down. I'm just simply walking out in society trying to make sure that I'm protected. And if anything happens, then I'm ready. I'm not going to some dark alley. I'm not chasing Ninja Turtles. I'm not fighting the Foot Clan. There's no point in me having a flashlight. I can see that if I'm having a flashlight and, or, or if I need a flashlight, if somebody cuts the lights off and they're shooting or if it's at night and I'm shooting, but regardless, part of my normal EDC is a handheld flashlight. That's just me preparing. I'll probably have an episode about that later on too, but nonetheless, back to my mistakes. So that was just with my handguns. With my rifles, <laughs> My first rifle was a Ruger 5.56 chambered in 300 blackout. That is one hell of a greasy gun, by the way. Even if you clean it, that damn thing is still greasy. There's been many times where I've pulled back the, the stock of the gun and there's just wetness all along the buffer tube. And for the life of me, I can't even figure out how, because it's, it's, it's grease. Or, Let's just say it's grease. I mean, there's probably a more technical term for it, but nonetheless, it's greasy as hell. I don't know where it's coming from. Now, I can understand utilizing a, a, a rifle and then having the inside of the barrel get greasy and where the firing pan, the firing pin gets greasy. And yeah, okay, cool. The internals I get, but the butt stock, the buffer tube. Okay, Ruger. I mean, hey, I love the PC charger and I love the carbine, but okay, I mean, hey, he gets the job done. 
but nonetheless we're talking about my mistakes not the mistakes that ruger might have created i mean good company but yeah i need to wipe that damn thing off <laughs> anyway um that's my first ar and it's a good ar uh, i like it it doesn't doesn't give me any issues but i also didn't need to go and put a whole lot of accessories on to my girlfriend if you're listening okay you were right sorry but you're right i went from putting a i believe it was a sig romeo scope on it uh mdr scope which i got it in, in a there's a grayed out scope i like it it's pretty simple pretty cool then i thought to myself i need some backup sights so i went and i found the uh, official ruger backup sights i got that from uh ebay which both of them were sold and they were pretty good cheap price i wasn't complaining especially for the river official sites so that worked out pretty cool and then um i found a juliet <laughs> god i found a juliet um magnifier and i put it on the end or i put it right behind the mdr and now i have this giant massive rifle that's chambered in a round that is I, I believe more so meant for kind of close encounters or you know cqb whatever you want to call it uh yeah i <laughs> i did too much to the gun and in all honesty with what i would like to do with it and what it would probably be used for having all that stuff on there adds more weight to the firearm which if you are carrying around a big clunky rifle and you've got all these accessories on it and you got a flashlight you got scopes you got red dots you got backup sights it's not going to end well you are literally carrying around a, a war club at the end of the day because if you ever run out of ammunition that's all that weight's going to be good for it's just start swinging that rifle around you'll probably knock somebody out because it's heavy that's why the goal of uh, of having a rifle is to try and find a way to decrease the weight so it's easier to carry around. Uh, that's why some pieces are made out of aluminum. That's why you have some skeletonized pieces. It cuts down on the weight of the actual firearm and it helps out. But in my case, even now, because I did try, I, I think I took some stuff off of there, but nonetheless, uh, no, no, it's still the same setup. And then I had the nerve to go back and get a uh, Fab Defense. Uh, it was like a, <laughs> it was a, a magazine cover and I could pop the skull on it. Like I could pop a skull shaped thing on it. You've probably seen these things before. They're simply aesthetic. They don't add any advantage or any purpose to the firearm. It's just aesthetic. And I think at that point I just said, let me just go ahead and make this one for fun. So now I have kind of a Punisher themed Ruger 5.56 with a Romeo and Juliet scope, um, Ruger, Ruger official backup sights, uh, changed out the stock and everything else. Matter of fact, I changed out the stock with the Blackhawk stock, which I like. I, I really like it. It's pretty good. But nonetheless, it's for show. Now, my other AR. I did the same thing, but that one I would say is is more so for fighting, like home invasions or whatever. More more so for defense, if you will. 
um, it's an Alex Precision upper, and I took a Palmetto, sta uh, Palmetto State lower and combined the two together. And I took off the original furniture, which, in all honesty, was spending more money. It's like I, I kept, you got to keep in mind, this is one reason why if you're going to get into firearms, you have to do it sensibly. You can end up spending a lot of money trying to modify one thing. You know, you can even go into more, uh, more depth as far as modifying triggers, uh, modifying uh, just certain things like your scopes, modifying your, your barrels, just all the add-ons you can do. It just ends up costing a lot of money, but nonetheless, uh, my upper, I decided to take the, the, um, what is it called? The handguard off and replace it with a, uh, M-Lock handguard. And my favorite color is green. So I decided to go with the OD green color, which I liked, but just like everything else, if I'm going with OD green, I want the rest of the parts to be OD green as well. So I swapped out the stock with the OD green stock. I think it was a fab defense stock and then I added, well, here's the problem I had. I didn't know the difference between Picatinny and Weaver rail at the time. So I thought I could just take the, the Romeo five that I purchased and put it on top of the AR, uh, the AR, um, rail that I had. And I couldn't figure out for the life of me why it wouldn't fit. And then that's when I looked deeper and I kept, you know, <laughs> Almost like caveman logic, I kept flipping the uh, bottom of the uh, the site over, and then I kept putting it back on the rail. Couldn't figure out why exactly it wouldn't go, and then I saw a tab, and the tab was thicker than the rail was. And almost like Sesame Street, I started putting two and two together, and I realized, oh shit, this isn't gonna work. So then I had to get another scope that would actually work, and this scope was uh, a little bit on the. Mm, third-party brand side some people would call it cheap cheap junk but nonetheless at the time I was co certainly convinced that I needed a red dot because a red dot could help you acquire a target a lot quicker than backup sites or traditional sites which kind of defeats the whole purpose of purchasing a rifle because if you don't know how to utilize those backup sites or the default iron sites in general then you don't need to use it train with the simple stuff then add the extra I guess but cha-ching, 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 more and more money out the door. If I would have just kept it simple and purchased simple iron sights, especially since I was trying to go for a more classic aesthetic with my fire, uh, with my uh, 556 rifle, the uh, second AR I've got, it's um, chambered at 556, 223. It's a wild barrel, so I can shoot both those with no issue. But nonetheless, if I would have just kept everything in factory stock, practiced with what I had, and learned the ins and outs of the firearm itself, I probably would have saved a lot of money. Now, do I regret the way my firearms feel and look? No. Do I regret the amount of money that was spent? Yes, I do. Can't get that back. The other thing is, it's harder to resell your firearms the more you use them. If you take good care of them, maybe that's one thing, but regardless, wear and tear after a while, it starts to decrease the value of your firearm. Uh, in the case of my AR, 
honestly don't know how much it would my second ar chamber to 556 honestly don't know how much it would be worth because it's pretty much a frankenstein piece um not saying it looks ugly it's just it's not a name brand like daniel defense or diamondback or um even ruger or aero defense you know take your pick it's it's my rifle this is my rifle this is my gun uh i probably wouldn't sell it it's more so it fits my personality it fits me i like how it is wouldn't give it up and i know how it functions know how it works i'm probably fine with it um regardless though yeah i always have to be careful whenever you purchase firearms especially if you're not very familiar with the firearm because all the money that i spent making purchases and jazzing up the handguns and, and making the rifles look cool could have also used been used to get better training which is the stage that i'm at right now i would like to become more proficient with my firearms and i would like to become more knowledgeable in the care and the assembly and modifications of those firearms that's where the money comes in so it's better just to go ahead like i said familiarize yourself with your firearm don't think that you need you don't need training because all the money that you spend for the extras and the jazz it up and make it look good could easily be spent doing what's necessary in steps don't be overly emotional with these just be smart because at the end of the day it doesn't matter how jazzed up your rifle looks somebody can still take you out and then they have a free gun that's worth over a grand but yeah those are my mistakes uh hope you enjoyed story time with yasuke fett got some uh like i said some good stuff coming up please stay tuned thank you very much sorry if it was a long tangent i really meant for this to be probably a couple of minutes long but nonetheless i hope it somehow helped you out as far as making decisions in your firearms journey and as always thank you very much for your support shout out to all my followers and my supporters shout out to ogun gear scorched earth firearms training straight shots llc and i run and gun and be talking to y'all soon until next time this mag is dumped <laughs>